0: Thank you, team. I want to continue on Hebrews 4.12. And the more time I spend in this verse, the more I love it. And this morning I want to continue on joints and marrow. And I want to look at Jacob's hip joint. I want to focus on his hip joint this morning. I know I said at the end of my last message that I would look at Jacob's hip joint and also um, at Jeremiah's fire in his bones. But I thought... Maybe I will need to bring a message or two more, I'm not sure. And initially my thoughts were to water down a little what I was going to say so I can have enough material for the end of the year. God very clearly spoke to me to stay in Hebrews 4.12. And I felt in my heart, if I did, he would bless the ministry. For four years, we had a pastorate in Tawonga, Victoria, a wonderful part of Australia, very close to the Alps, the foothills, where you had Falls Creek and Mount Beauty. And yearly, we had a camp and uh, our location was magnificent We had camp facilities, and once a year, people from all over Victoria and other states would come and enjoy our camp facilities with a great speaker. Once we had Pastor Reg Klimanock, and we had other great speakers, and we never really knew, the ladies never really knew how many would come. A country people weren't very good at putting in applications and letting us know. And often there were more people than we could feed. And our ladies were great at extending what was made with water and thickness and whatever else they used to make sure there was enough for everyone. Well, that's not what I'm doing this morning. I I had a rebuke from the Lord when I felt, look, maybe I need to kind of spread this out more. And I felt God say, God's word is not like other human literature. It never runs out. It never dries up. It's unlimited. The wonder of it will always amaze and Hear me thinking maybe there's not enough in this verse to keep me going. I felt a real rebuke from the Lord. And uh, instead of speaking on those two, which would have been half sermons in a sense, each one will be a full message. And so that's the story behind looking at Jacob's hip joint. I want you to turn with me to Genesis 32. And we're going to read from verse 22. And this is one of the passages of Scripture, and there are a few like this that we refer to as holy ground. There is something about this story that's heavenly. Heavenly. There's something about it that transcends the human. And we come in touch with God and the operations of God. And as we read that story, we feel we're standing on holy ground. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent them over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, saying, tell me your name, I pray." And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. What a wonderful passage of scripture what an amazing encounter with god and we're going to look this morning if you allow me deeper can i go deeper this morning we're going to go deeper into into joint and marrow and as i said this is one of the great holy ground passages stories in the bible and god's sharp two-edged sword with great precision, reveals to us an enlightenment as we see the function in God, in the work of God, in the service of God of our joints and marrow. We see their reliance on each other and their cooperation in spiritual power and motion. And I want to look first of all at Jacob's dilemma. Jacob was born a twin. His brother was Esau and he just missed the winning line and he tried to get ahead of Esau by grabbing his heel. But the fact is that he was second born. And as he grew and listened to his grandfather Abraham relate the wonders of God, Talk about the call of God. Talk about the future that God had for his prosperity. And as he listened to the teachings of Isaac, his father, concerning the ways of God, there came within his life a hunger for the birthright that was not his. That he missed by a moment... Nature did not allow it to be, and yet that hunger for the birthright was such that caused him into questionable ways and activities to procure it. And one time when Esau, who was a hunter, came in starving after hunting and being out and And uh, Jacob was making a pot of stew that must have smelt so good. And you know, doesn't food always smell better when you're hungry? When you're full, it doesn't matter how good the table is. But when you're hungry, and he was starving. And he came and Jacob said, give me a birthright and I'll give you some soup. And Esau's attitude was, what's the use of a birthright if I'm going to die from hunger? And he took it. And Jacob supplanted, took in a way that was wrong and deceitful and questionable. What was not his in the natural, but in the spiritual was to be his. And later on, of course, when his aged father wanted to bless and pronounce the the, the the the, uh, blessing of the birthright on the firstborn. In collusion with his mother, they deceived Isaac and they put Esau's clothes on Jacob and some uh, fur from an animal because Esau was a hairy man and, and he came before his father and his father said, is that you, Esau? And Jacob lied and said, yes. And he felt the hairy arm. He smelt the hunting clothes. He said, you smell like Esau, but you speak like Jacob. And he put his hand upon him, his right hand, and the birthright blessing came upon him. For the second time, he supplanted his brother Esau. Esau's anger was such that all he could dream about and think about was killing his brother His mother Rachel knew of this and said, look, it's time, Jacob, you've got to leave. Go to my brother Laban for your brother wants to kill you. And so he goes, leaves home and goes on a journey to see uh, his uncle Laban. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting as we look at this story that Jacob's, like, the most, like most of us, and most of the great characters of Scripture is less than perfect. The amazing message of the Bible is that God can work with and use human vessels and always does. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. And the simple truth is that God will always use people that are imperfect, that feel unworthy, have all the problems, and in his way he will use them for his glory. And so Jacob is an example of someone that was less than perfect but yet there was such a desire and such an openness to god and and, and the spirit world that, that uh, uh, when he left we find uh, when he left his father and headed for uh, laban we find that he rests his head upon a stone and he has a dream of a ladder that reaches from earth to heaven to heaven he, he has a perception He sees how earth and heaven are joined. He sees on that ladder angels ascending and descending. He sees above that ladder God himself and there was that sensitivity in this man with all his imperfections, with all his deceit. And maybe if he was called before a board for ministerial credentials, he would have been rejected. Because of the kind of life that God saw his heart. God saw his heart. And then, of course, he went to Laban. And uh, he was attracted to a very beautiful girl. And uh, we uh, find that uh, he was tricked into... uh, um, working for her. He wasn't tricked, but he agreed to uh, work for uh, this lovely lady that he saw. He agreed to work for her, for Rachel, for seven years. And then he was starting to get a bit of his own treatment back. And on the wedding night, to his surprise the next morning, he didn't marry Rachel, but married Leah, the older daughter. And, of course, he wasn't too happy and went to see his father-in-law and said, Why have you tricked me? He said, Well, it's our custom to marry the elders first. And then he allowed, of course, Rachel to come. And uh, not what what is it? I'm sorry. I'm just, yeah, it is Rachel. Yeah, Uh, Rachel to come. And she became his wife. But he had to work another seven years. And then he worked another six years for his cattle. And during that time, his wage was changed 10 times. Each time you can have the speckled cattle, you can have the, uh, uh, the striped cattle. It was changed 10 times. And at the end, Jacob felt he had enough and it was time to leave and he left. And we find that when he left, we find that the angels of God were there ministering to him. There was in spite of all that was happening in his personal life, in spite of the dilemma he finds himself, now he leaves Laban and he's going to go back home. But as he leaves Laban, he hears that Esau and an army of 400 men are coming toward him. And he knows it's certain death. He knows what Esau's heart was like. This is the dilemma he finds himself in in, and he concocts a plan where he divides the uh, company of people in two and then he sends them over the brook, Jabbok, and he goes back and he is alone and alone he begins to seek God and we're told that a man wrestled with him. Now, as you read scripture and other scriptures, most believe this was a pre incarnate manifestation of the Son of God, the angel of God. And this man wrestled with him, whether it was physical, spiritual, in a dream, or a mixture of all that. There was still something that went on as they struggled and as. Uh, Jacob got hold as he realized this heavenly messenger as he got hold of him he would not let him go and the messenger said let me go and Jacob refused and the messenger now exercised a little of his power the Bible tells us that he touched his socket he didn't strike it he could have annihilated Jacob, but he simply touched. Now, he's saying, you need to let me go. But what he does to Jacob was the very thing that caused Jacob to hang on to him harder. You see, once your socket, your socket was touched, he simply touched it and it was affected. You couldn't stand well on your feet. And all that Jacob could do was hang on harder to the angel of the Lord that he wrestled with. You see, God never wants us to let him go. Sometimes he does things that seem to harm us only to have us hang on to him with greater force and greater strength. And he he hangs hangs on to this heavenly man, this divine being. He hangs on to him. And finally, the angel of the Lord says, Look, let me go. It's going to be the break of day. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There was no letting him go until Jacob had nothing else. At Jabbok, as he wrestled, all his possessions were across the river. He had no possessions, he had no wealth, he had no family around him. It was only him and God. And he needed a revelation. He needed a power. He needed a direction from God. He needed motion. And God was working on his marrow. God was putting into him a strength that would cause him to go and achieve God's purposes. And we see his tenacity. His tenacity as he hung on. And the me- The angel of the Lord, I'll call the angel of the Lord, said, all right, I will bless you. And he said, what's your name? And uh, Jacob said, my name's Jacob, which means supplanter. He'd supplanted his brother two times. It means one that hangs on to the heel. And the angel of the Lord said, no longer will you be Jacob, but your name will be Israel. And when your name's Israel, Israel meant a prince of God, it meant one that has wrestled with God, one that knows how to receive from God that which is required in ministry and life. And God changed his name. You know, one of the wonders of coming out of God's presence and holy ground experiences like this Is that we come in with all our problems. And we come and we we, we say we can't do it. And God changes our name and says you can do it. We feel I haven't got the strength to go on. And God changes our name to say my strength is more than sufficient for you. There's a name change that comes from God's presence. There is that experience from God when you're facing in a dilemma and what a situation Jacob had and we all have our situations and as we come and as we come and receive marrow, as we receive strength, as we receive spiritual sustenance from the Almighty, God in the process changes. Our name. I can't do it. We leave God's presence with a new name. I can. I can do all things. Through Christ. Who strengthens me. And so we find. Uh, the tenacity of faith. works so beautifully. I'm not following my notes too well. But it doesn't matter. And he comes out of that experience. With a limp in his hip, in his hip joint. He comes out of that experience in the natural less strong than he was when he went into it. And I want to tell you this morning that in the service of God, a limp is okay. A limp is okay. You see, God put a limp within him, And he always walked with a limp so his dependence on God might be greater. And so often we feel that we need to have all that's required for ministry and service and we've got to have it all together and all the abilities. And I want to say that none of us have all that. Every one of us struggle with our weaknesses. Every one of us struggle that we're not adequate. No, we can't really do that that well. And yet we serve God and God allows us to serve him with a limp. Praise God for the limp. (laughs) Praise God for that area within our lives that, that we don't feel is adequate and strong enough. It causes us to rely and put our hands around God and wrestle with God until we see God's hand and God changes our life. He could no longer rest in the strength of his legs. And in a sense, you know, our hip joints are really our strength. And a lot of sports dependent on that. And it's interesting in... Psalm 147, verse 10, that that this is what the psalmist says, and it's talking about God. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. That's all people want, you know, the, 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 the fastness, the race of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man, which, you know, in our world of sport, that it's all depending upon the legs of the lamb and that's not what's important, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who have hope in his mercy. What is God saying here? As long as the marrow is in order, the joint can have a lymph. Most of us have this lymph. We have our shortcomings but praise God, God can take hold of us and use us for his honor and glory. None of us feel that we have it all. Every person in service feels there's areas in their life that really don't match up and they still need to kind of work on. To be, It doesn't matter as long as those areas drive you to God for his strength and his blessing. Laurie talked about that earlier, right? <laughs> okay. And, and then we find that, and I, I find this amazing outcome of that experience. You know, previously to Jacob wrestling with this man, he always referred to God as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Never the God of Jacob. It was always the God of Someone that was more spiritual, maybe more worthy. A patriarch that God's hand and blessing. It was always the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob. But as soon as he came out of this experience, we find that uh, he becomes, he erects an altar and he calls it E-Elohi, Elohi, rather, Israel. The God of Israel. And yeah, this is just so important. So often we kind of identify God's blessing and power and ability with others. So often we feel that God's great work is through other people. But we all need to come to that place where he is my God. He's not the God of Pastor Marty. He's not the God of whoever you might consider great in God's kingdom, in, in ministry, but we need to come to that place where he's my God. And that experience, when the marrow, so the joint, serving God, motion, spiritual motion, when he came to that place, he was able to say, for the first time in his life, the God of Israel! He's our God, he's my God, he's our personal God. There can be no advancement unless we understand that God is personally ours and we have a relationship with him. There's a wonderful verse in Job, chapter 42 and verse 5. It says, Job says, after the experiences that none of us want, he says, I have heard rumours About you. I had heard rumors about you talking about God, but now my eyes have seen you. I've heard rumors about you, but through what I've been now, my eyes have seen you. We don't want to only know things about God, we want to see Him with our eyes. Now, Jacob leaves that place, limping. He faces Esau. He faces the inevitable. 400 men Esau has. He has an army. Enough to destroy Jacob's family and company. And this is what Jacob feels what will happen. And he comes. And as he comes to Esau... We find, I should follow my notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we find he comes and all he can do is trust God. That's all he can do. And, and, and this is what happens. This is what happens when God takes control, when God works. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. What an amazing outcome. He was expecting the worst, but he had from God that marrow, that inner strength. And though his joint was not as strong as he would like it, still his motion went, not knowing what would happen, but he trusted God. And and Esau sees him in all the bitterness. It's all God and God has dealt with him and they embrace and they weep and they kiss because god had been at work and later when jacob wants to give esau the gift it's a phenomenal gift i had it in my notes you know it must have been worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in our currency what he gave what the present he had and esau said look i don't want it i've got more than enough and this is what jacob said and Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. And you were pleased with me. He saw God's hand, God's face. He saw God in the outcome. He saw God in the outcome. Looked and all over it, you had the... Handiwork of God. You had the hallmarks. God had worked on Esau and there was reconciliation. And and the present that Jacob was so extravagant and so great that he, he showed the value that the birthright was to him more than a pot of soup. More than a pot of soup.